ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. I am taping this literally inside of a closet (laughs) because I am in my childhood home, which is bringing up tons of stuff for me. And it's all good, right? So I was like on the phone with my therapist yesterday. I reached out to my coach today. And I'm just noticing how being in my childhood home and while I'm working through some really big stuff is impacting me. And where stories about not being good enough or not being allowed to have a voice, where deep, deep, deep beliefs about who I was supposed to be in order to be lovable, deep, deep, deep beliefs about what was expected of me are all coming up. And as I work with them, I'll be bringing a lot of it to you. But one of the things that's coming to me loud and clear here is the deep belief, the old wound that I had to be perfect in order to be loved. So I'm the youngest of three, and that was my role in the family. My role was to be the good one, the one who got all A's, the one who didn't make any sort of mess. Now, I know often the third child is gets a little bit more freedom, right? And I know I did. I know I did. And also, I learned that I could be the one who got the best grades. I could be the one who didn't make any sort of commotion. I could be the one who didn't start any fights. I could be the one who was agreeable. I could be the one who was the most liked at school. Like my mom just said to me today, you had so many friends. She didn't even know that inside I felt like I was a total loser in high school and that the popular girls didn't like me. And actually the deep wounding of that dichotomy where my parents thought and I even expected or I thought they expected that I was super popular. But deep inside, I felt like those girls don't even like me. They don't even know who I am. I am nothing. It was like I came to believe that my entire worth was based on external likes, external validation, external approval. And I know I'm not alone in this. Because in my Goddess on Purpose class, which is my signature class, it's like the first class to take with me. And it's running right now. So if you want to know about the next round, then open up email, go to team at purposegirl.com and just say you want to be notified when it opens up again. Or you can go onto my website, purposegirl.com and get the do-it-yourself version where you get like 40 videos and all of the workbooks and all of that. But in my live Goddess on Purpose class last night, we were talking about our voice. And where did we lose our voice? And I said to these amazing women, there are 35 women in the class, and I said to them, here I am in my childhood home, in the very place where I lost my voice. 
because I had a very loud older brother who became a criminal defense attorney who speaks and is dominating for a living. My father was very loud and opinionated, and I felt like I couldn't get a word in edgewise. So I found in my life for a long, long time, I deferred speaking to the man, the alpha man in the room. And probably why I really liked being around girls and around women, I felt like I could speak around them. I felt like I had a voice. But then I also had sisterhood wounds, something I haven't shared here. When I was younger, since I just wanted to be perfect, I just wanted to be popular, I desperately wanted to be a cheerleader. Like that was all I wanted to be. I would read the Sweet Valley High books and so resonate with those characters that were cheerleaders and they were popular, all of it. And so I just desperately wanted to be a cheerleader. Now, mind you, I cannot do a cartwheel and I cannot do the splits. And that's not me having a limited mindset. It's literally, I still can't do it. (laughs) I've tried and it's okay. But I still said, I'm going to be a cheerleader because to me, it wasn't about doing a cartwheel. I liked the idea of pumping people up. I liked the idea of getting a crowd on their feet. I liked the idea of cheering people to be happy. Is it really a surprise? I mean, look at what I do now. I mean, I really am the world's greatest cheerleader, and I'm just going to own that. So I was captain and MVP, named MVP by my squad, by my coach, freshman and sophomore year. And then when I went to try out for varsity, I didn't make the squad. And the amount of pain that I held not making that squad, I, I I can't. The piercing in my heart, talking about it with my therapist for the first time. Like, I haven't opened that wound in a long time. Because I was and am the greatest cheerleader of all time. And I was cut from that squad. And to me, it was double-sided. It was that I couldn't do the thing I loved the most, cheerleading. And I felt like a complete and total loser. Who am I if I'm not a cheerleader? I had based my entire identity, I had based my entire worth on this thing. I'm sure you can understand that. Do you base your entire worth on how good of a mother you are? Are you basing your entire worth on your career and whether or not you're making a certain income? Are you basing your entire worth on how many likes you have on social media? And I will tell you that I have become so aware recently that that old childhood pattern of basing my entire worth, my entire value as a human has been with me into my 40s. I'm 47 years old. I am arguably the world's leading expert in women's happiness. This is what I do for a living. I pump you up. And yet I see how when a bunch of people don't like my posts, I feel like it's death. I feel like I'm dying. It's more than just feeling bad about myself. Something inside me feels like it's dying. And I've realized recently it's because I thought that in order to be loved, I had to be popular. That that was what my parents were thinking about me, expecting of me, me being perfect, right? And maybe for you, it's not popularity. Maybe for you, it is something else. But it's around this, I'm only lovable if. I'm only worthy if. I'm only valuable if. And that thing, sister, will make you feel miserable in life. We are looking at external sources when happiness is an inside job. 
And it is up to us every single day I have to do this work to really go into my heart and be so super kind to myself and connect with my younger self and love on her and hold her and tell her that she's okay and she's lovable now. It is up to me to go into my mind and find the places where my mind is lying to me. We know from research that our minds are habitual. Just like you create habits of brushing your teeth when you wake up or you've created a habit of needing chocolate at 3 p.m. or a habit of taking a walk, right? There's healthy habits and there's unhealthy habits and our brain doesn't know the difference between a healthy habit and an unhealthy habit. It only knows that when we are triggered by a certain cue in the field, right? And that cue could be wake up, brush teeth. Or for some people, it's wake up, have a cigarette. Like whatever the cue is, you get a cue and your brain knows that if I do a particular activity, I will feel a reward. So I don't smoke, but if for you, you do, the reward maybe is a sense of calm or it's a sense of peace in your body or it's maybe the high you get from nicotine. If it's wake up and brush teeth, the reward is feeling fresh, feeling awake. If it's having chocolate or some sort of sugar at 3 p.m., the reward is feeling more vibrant. You like you were nodding off at your desk and then at three o'clock, you right. So your brain knows there's a cue, which it could be a time of day. It could be something that happens. And then you take an activity. And this is what we know. It's, it's a whole habit cycle. And we also have habits of thought. We have habits in our minds. We have habits of how we approach things. And a cue for me recently has been being in my childhood home and the habit to be small, the habit to think I don't have a voice. And I find myself not speaking as much. And and fortunately, I've done a ton of work. So it's like, and I'm going to speak up and I've got this, right? And so fortunately, it's like I've broken that habit here to be my full self. And I love that. So something that's been coming up for me lately is around social media. My brain tells me I have to be on social media for my job, right? Like how else are you all going to be part of my community? I have an online community, Purpose Girls, the Women's Happiness Network on Facebook, and I share wisdom and insight and tips and videos and all of that on social media. It's an incredible tool if you are an empowerment coach like I am, you're an entrepreneur in any way. It's an incredible tool that we can share our wisdom, share our message with the world. Social media is incredible that way. But to the 15-year-old inside of me that didn't make cheerleading, it's back to high school. And maybe you feel the same, even if you're not an entrepreneur, you're not a coach. Like, Does it bring up for you all of the old sisterhood wounds that you weren't chosen for the basketball team, or you weren't picked, you were picked last in gym class when you had to go to teams, or the girls didn't want you to sit at their table, or you just felt like you weren't cool enough, or good enough, or smart enough, or pretty enough, or skinny enough, or big enough, or whatever it might be. All of that leaves us feeling so crappy, and that feeling of crappy because of how the brain works, the feeling leads to a behavior. For me, when I feel crappy, I go small. I hide, I go inward. And not inward in the like, oh, let me meditate and reflect inward. Inward in the, I must not be good enough. No one likes me inward, which is fine and good, except that I have amazing things going on that I want to invite you to. 
right? Like right now, I have a few spots left, only three spots left for my Italy retreat. I mean, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be in a private villa with a private chef in our own pool where you get to dip and spend afternoons, where we get to put on our crowns, where we get to do the transformational, incredible work of releasing all these old patterns, of being in safe sisterhood, of eating local cuisine and tasting wine and wearing goddessy dresses and feeling fierce and alive. And if you want, you can skinny dip without having to worry about it or you don't have to, right? Like it's going to be so incredible. I've rented a Tuscan villa for us that is among olive trees and among vineyards. And it's so incredibly beautiful. And we're going to be going so deep and so high where you will own all aspects of the divine feminine within you. You will own the queen that you are. No more little girl, right? Like I'm telling you how the little girl comes up for me and then I work with her to step into my goddess self, which is queenly, which is higher power, which is knowing. We're going to work with the mermaid who is joyful, right? Do you feel like you've lost the joy in your life? Well, inside of all of us, there's a little girl mermaid and she wants to play. And so we're going to play in Italy and be able to run and dance and giggle. The sensual goddess, the part of us that is so deeply feminine, the Aphrodite. We're going to bring her out. It's going to be such an incredible journey into your most powerful self. And a big reason why I lead retreats is to heal the sisterhood wound over and over and over again. Women tell me that the thing that I'm best at is creating sisterhood, safe, sacred sisterhood. Because for me, it is such a deep wound. So in high school, when I didn't make the cheerleading squad, my parents were so worried about me that they had me sleep in their bedroom. I had based my whole identity on being a cheerleader. I had based my whole worth on being a cheerleader. And I was sure that none of my friends would like me anymore when they found out I didn't make the squad. I was so ashamed. Now, I know that this sounds a little Lifetime movie-ish, but this was my real life. Like, And my parents were so worried about me that they actually took me to school at six o'clock in the morning the next day to have a meeting with the athletic director of the entire school district. And the athletic director said, you were captain and MVP. Maybe you just had a bad tryout. They should have let you on the squad. And so he put me back on, me and one other girl. And I'll tell you, then the girl started telling me what a sore loser I was. One girl actually spit on me in high school when that happened. I was so elated. I was back on the squad. And other girls just thought it was me being a sore loser. In reality, it was. I didn't have the coping tools at the time to be able to cope with what felt like an absolute tragic loss. And I don't blame my parents. They were doing the best that they could. We've talked about it. They say if they could go back, they wouldn't have talked to the athletic director. But they were doing the best that they could to protect their little girl who was thinking I didn't want to be alive anymore. Now, I share all of this because the sisterhood wound became so deep, so deep that I'm going to share something I don't know if I've shared on the Purpose Girl podcast. If so, it was a long time ago or who knows when. I left my high school. I was so ashamed and so couldn't face being alone like that, being the outcast, that I completely left that high school and went to a different high school. And it was hard, right? 
But I felt like that was better than facing these girls every day who spit on me. And maybe it was in some ways. One of my core tenets, one of my core values is sisterhood, safe, sacred sisterhood. And I do so to be inclusive of all women now, of all girls now. I got into this work because I want every girl, every woman to know she is beautiful as she is, to love herself completely and to go after her dreams. And that is it. The fact that I have to be on social media in order to do this, like honestly, it kills me because it just brings back all the high school crap. And so when I have retreats like the Italy retreat coming up. And I know it's not for everybody. It's five days, four nights. You have to fly to Italy. Once you're there, once you get to the villa, it's all inclusive. But it's a luxurious experience. And it is divine sisterhood that will heal these wounds for you, that will give you a safe, a sacred, a loving, best friendship sisterhood forever. That's what happens. Women come on my retreats and years later, they're still great friends. I mean, I just got a message. This was so great. Women who were together with me in 2016, I think it was, they still have a text string that like on holidays, they message happy holidays or something like that or something happens. I mean, this is like what, six years ago. And two of them were just at a Chicago Cubs game independently, don't even live in Chicago, bumped into each other and were like crying hugging that they had their soul sister right there, like that they bumped into each other. I've had women who met in 2014 with me and they became (laughs) bridesmaids for each other years later. Like this is what happens in my sisterhoods. And I brag and I celebrate that I create that and I create that for you. And honestly, I create it for me to heal this wound that every single one of us gets to be included. And if Italy is not for you, or you can't make it because of money, because of the investment, you can't make it because of time, I will be doing a weekend retreat in Miami, November, I think November 18th. If you want information about that, we had to change the dates. And so just send my team an email, team at purposegirl.com. Because I want you to have what hundreds of women have had coming on retreat with me, which is the experience of pure sisterhood. So years ago, I was on a Sirius XM radio show called Wake Up With Taylor. I was on it for five years with the host. And she would have me on every month as her, quote, happiness guru. That's what she called me, her happiness guru. And I said to her after a couple of years, let's do a retreat together. And that's where my goddess retreat in Miami was born. And she was like, OK, great. And so we invited her listeners. We had 20 women, I think, come that first year. And, and really every year we did it together for three years. And the first time she said, what are we going to do there? I said, honestly, I, I don't know. I just want to create sisterhood. And I love Taylor so much. Her show talks a lot about reality TV, talks a lot about kind of how we hate our bodies and those kinds of things. And I realized that the best thing I could do in a retreat was to bring women together for them to really see each other and to heal these sisterhood wounds and to heal old wounds about hating their bodies or heal old wounds about not feeling good enough, heal old wounds about being afraid to go for their dreams, and then to reflect for each other their magic, their incredibleness, their beauty, so that we all left high, flying high and so alive. And so that very first year, I made up this agenda to do that. And to a woman, including Taylor, they all said to me, They've never experienced sisterhood like this. They've never had an experience where there was not one woman who was an outcast. Because what 
we do on these retreats, what I do in all my groups and what I want for you, whether it's with me or someone else, is that you have an experience of pure love with other women. Because sister, that is our core nature. We have been raised to believe that our core nature is mean girls because that's what we do experience. But if we go back decades, centuries ago, maybe even thousands of years ago, women gathered in sisterhood on the new moon in order to bring in a whole new month, in order to usher in harvest in order to do ritual around children, in order to love on each other's children, right? Like women would breastfeed each other's children. Women would care for each other's children when sick. Women took care of the village together when men were out hunting or men were out at war. I mean, women got together in safe and sacred in loving sisterhood. And the patriarchy created a lot of competition among women with multiple wives. Of course, a woman was going to be jealous of another woman, Someone I know was just telling me that his dad had three wives. He's in his 50s and his dad had three wives in a different country, not the United States, where that was legal. Three wives, although there are people in the United States who have three wives too. Yes, you could become best friends with those women, but you also could become incredibly jealous. We've also grown up in a world where there were no women leaders until recently, like the last hundred years, other than queens. We've grown up in a world where women weren't CEOs, where we were told that we weren't able to have our own money. I mean, my mother used to have a credit card that said Mrs. Larry Rockind. It didn't even say her name. And so when women were getting into the workforce, they would look around. There were no women. And so they thought, well, if one woman is going to break through, it's only going to be one. And so there was competition. We have learned to be in competition with each other. And the base of that learning did come from love and from marriage. Because a family wanted to marry a daughter off. A family received a dowry. And so it was pride for a girl to be married off. And so there could be competition between the girls. Who's going to be married off? I mean, it was basically set up for us to be in competition with each other. When that's not our core nature. We actually know from a research study out of UCLA that When in stress mode, women, we may fight and we may flee, but what this research study showed is that most often women do something called tend and befriend. In stress, we tend to the needs of people and we look for someone to befriend us. We call someone and say, hey, can you hold me? Can you hug me? We care for other people when they're in stress modes. Hey, let me be a friend to you right now. And so in stress mode, yes, there's fight flight and I definitely can get into fight flight and there's freeze. My body goes into paralysis and we actually know that it's a very deeply female response to tend and befriend. And that wasn't even talked about in the research. Again, it's a newer research study from UCLA about a couple of years old. And that just shows that our core nature as women is actually connection and it's connection with each other. We know from research studies that when women have close friends, they live longer. A research study was done with breast cancer patients and survivors and found that women were more likely to survive if they had close girlfriends. This is huge. The thing is, is that because we've been set up for competition, we haven't really understood 
how to be close with women and how to even let our guard down because you may have been let down by your birth sister or by your mother. And those wounds are deep. I know that they are deep. And that's why we all need a safe and a sacred sisterhood to be able to connect to. Because we have the opportunity to heal those wounds and to be able to say to each other, oh, sister, I see you. Oh, sister, I know what you're capable of. Oh, sister, I love you. As is, you don't have to be anything different. Your body doesn't have to be different. Any of that. But what do most women get together and talk about? Well, now that I have a kid, I notice that most conversations are about our kids, right? So I'm at the park and I'm hearing other women. Other women will start talking and asking me questions like, is my son in school and talking about all that? And and yes, of course, it's relevant and I want to connect about my son right now. But I also want to talk about really deep, powerful stuff like changing the world and how we're actually going to do something about the tragedies that have happened about Uvalde and the shootings and Roe v. Wade being t- possibly taken away. I mean, I want to talk about deep, meaningful things like our nature as women and our deep, deep need to be free and to be alive. Like, those are my favorite conversations. And I know that's probably not going to happen at a park, right? Where I'm just meeting a mom for the first time. But I also notice women get together and vent. Let's be honest. Women get together and bitch, right? We can have so much fun being catty or gossiping. And I get it. We have a need to vent. We absolutely have a need to vent. Maybe you get together with friends and you vent about your partner. You vent about your kids. We have that need too because we're not just going to be happy dappy all the time. You can go back and listen to other episodes. Some of my favorites are about what to do with anger and with grief. And I'll probably do more episodes on that in the future. And these are skills and tools that I teach in my classes and we use because no one has taught women what to do with that. And so we end up venting a lot and we end up taking it out on ourselves in the form of self-loathing. But there are healthier ways to do it, which is a different episode. But women get together and they vent or they get together and they self-deprecate. Oh, I gained so much weight. Oh, why did I do this? Oh, I shouldn't look at my hair. It's growing all grays. Oh, look, I need Botox. Like that is a frequent conversation. I know we can do better. I know and I believe. And I have seen and I have witnessed and I have created women getting together and saying, oh, sister, tell me about your dreams. Just last night when I was doing the Goddess on Purpose class, a woman shared that she lost her voice to a parent telling her that her dreams of being an artist weren't valid, right? That that was silly, ridiculous. I can't remember what words. And so she put it away. We all said to her, oh, sister, we want to see your art. And so she posted it in the Facebook group. And she has like 15 comments right now telling her what an incredible artist she is because she is. And me saying to her, sister, you got this. Let's get this art out on Etsy. It doesn't mean that she's going to leave her other job or anything, but like this was her heart and her soul and it was cut off. And so her having sisters, having me as that mentor saying to her, let's do this thing. You got this. She said it changed her. And this is what the power of women coming together actually is. This is the potential that we have. This is what we can do. And this is why I want you to come on retreat with me, especially now that we can be back in person after COVID. Something magical happens in person. I held a Goddess Unleashed retreat in Jamaica in February. And these women, to see women let go of their anger about what is happening in the world with all the shootings, 
let go of old wounds and pains around being abused or around difficulties, illnesses, all these different things. And then held each other and said, sister, I see you and I see how powerful you are and I see how beautiful you are. And then we all were able to rise up and we were able to dance. And then we crowned each other, literally put crowns on each other's heads. We took care of each other like we did face masks and we did all the fun things, right? Face masks and eating cookies and all that kind of good stuff. And it was so deeply powerful. The last night we had a goddess unleashed fashion show where each woman wore an unleashed outfit and we were cheering her like, oh, yeah, you got this. And like dripping her, like throwing money at her, almost like we were at like a club, you know, and it was like so fun and so alive. And every woman left so big. One woman left a few dresses behind because she's like, no, those are my old like frumpy, dumpy dresses. Those aren't like the new unleashed goddess me. This is magic that can only happen in sisterhood. On my Miami retreat, the very first one I did, a woman came in a gray wool sweater, like, and she was going through a lot personally, and she was pretty stuck in life. And having all of us, like me, look in her eyes, when I'm in person with you, I can hold your cheeks, I can look in your eyes, and I can tell you how beautiful you are. And I can tell you what I see in you. And I love seeing women. I love seeing you. And so I was actually able to see this woman and be with her during lunch when she was having a difficult time. And the other women then in these exercises telling her what they saw, even though it's a short weekend. And in a weekend, they saw her. We see each other's essence when we're really together in this safe, sacred, beautiful sisterhood. She came back the next year in a yellow, flowy, goddessy, incredible dress. And it was like her shoulders were showing. She was glowing. Her hair was like these gorgeous braids. It was like, oh, my goddess, look at you. The shifts that happen by being in safe, sacred sisterhood, by tending and befriending, by having women see you, by going back to our core root, our core nature of who we were actually born to be in the way that we were born to be together. There is a reason that witches were burnt at the stake. <laughs> and one of them was that there was a lot of fear of what happened when women gathered because what happened was women would come out more alive, women would come out bigger, women would come out with magical powers and be able to womanifest things and be able to, yes, we did ritual and all of that, and the patriarchy was scared of it. What happens in those circles? Are they talking about us? It's voodoo, it's bad. No, it was beautiful. But we know for a long time, no one wanted women to be opinionated. Well, no one wanted women to be big. No one wanted women to be free. We weren't allowed to be free. We were married off against our own will. No one wanted us to be free. And so when women gathered in sisterhood and would free each other, it threatened the patriarchy. And so, of course, they wanted to shut us down. And we were burnt at the stake for that. And all of those wounds reside in our bones, in our cells, in our bodies. But we get to heal them now. So how do we heal those wounds? We heal those wounds by beginning to heal ourselves around our own women wounds, sister wounds. And we begin to heal those wounds by then gathering and connecting in safe sisterhood. So how do we do that? Number one, to heal yourself. The best, most important thing that you can do is to really sit with yourself and let yourself feel and remember 
the old wounds, whether those were from a mother wound or those were from a birth sister or those were from little girls at school or middle school or high school, or maybe your partner cheated on you. And so the woman wound came then. And let yourself sit with that and actually place your hand on your heart as you take some deep breaths. And then going back to that moment, that place, ask yourself, what did I most need to hear? Really give yourself the love, like maybe you needed to hear from another woman, from a girlfriend, from a sister, from a mother, from somebody, I love you. There's nothing wrong with you. You're lovable as is. I adore you. It's going to be okay. And that's our moment to give ourselves that love that we really needed then. And to remind ourselves that we are lovable as is no matter what the experience we've had. And as I say this, I know it might seem a lot easier said than done. And these are things that I still practice. But that is huge to be able to go back. The second purpose power tip is forgiveness. Forgiveness for yourself and forgiveness for other, for women in general. Now, first, I'm going to focus on forgiveness for self because in some ways that might seem easier and in some ways it might seem harder. Often, what I notice in myself and my coaching clients and my friends is that we beat ourselves up a lot and we may find a way that we did something wrong and, and maybe there's something that we do want to say I'm sorry for or apologize for. But when it comes to these sisterhood wounds, notice if there's anything you're beating yourself up for and it's time to forgive yourself. And what I love for that is writing myself a letter, writing myself a letter to my former self, like dear little Karen or dear teenage Karen, I forgive you. I forgive you for being naive about getting back on the cheerleading squad. I forgive you for wanting to get back on. I, of course you wanted to get back on. I totally understand that. I forgive you for going in to the athletic director and asking for your spot. I forgive you for switching schools, right? So it's like anything that you're beating yourself up for or that you're thinking, oh, I wish I had done that differently or I regret. Write yourself a letter. Forgive yourself now, sister. And hold yourself tenderly. It really goes with purpose power tip number one, but it's actual forgiveness. And then this might be a little bit harder, but now we want to move to forgiving the other. And I know forgiveness can seem so difficult for me. It, it is like, oh, it has been like one of the hardest things of my life and remains one of the hardest things in my life. But forgiveness doesn't mean that we condone or approve of the behavior. It means that I'm a human who makes mistakes too, and I can understand your humanness in making a mistake. And I can understand your humanness, and I can actually say that I will never fully, fully, fully understand because I've never walked in your shoes. So I've written a letter to those girls from high school. I forgive you. You were doing the best you could at the time. You didn't know any better. You were not wrong for thinking I shouldn't have gotten back on the cheerleading squad. And I didn't like your behavior, but I, I get it. You were a teenager. You had your own thoughts. You had your own way. You were trying to be cool. You were trying to fit in. You were trying to be popular. And I forgive you for it. 
Now, this can take a while and there are deep learning tools around forgiveness. But writing a letter, I find, and just feeling into your younger self and the other person's younger self can be very healing. And I have healed deep sisterhood wounds without ever talking to the actual person by feeling into what was the most insecure, tender part of them when they did what they did. And can my most tender, insecure part of myself understand and comprehend that? Because I've done things I'm not proud of. When I was in fifth grade, I did some bullying. I ganged up with other girls on other girls to try to fit in. So can I understand, even if I didn't like it, even if it didn't feel good? And then I forgive you. Because when you can find that most tender, soft place in yourself, the goddess in yourself, and you can elevate, it's really elevating to what kind of forgiveness would you like from someone? And write that letter. It helps so much. Purpose power tip number three is to get yourself a safe sisterhood. This has been the game changer. If you have a difficult time forgiving yourself or forgiving others, this has been a game changer I have seen in myself and in literally hundreds of women, is to find women that love, accept, honor, cherish, and celebrate you exactly as you are. It almost sounded like a marriage proposal there, right? (laughs) Like love, honor, cherish. And I want to add the last piece, which is to celebrate. Because I hear from a lot of women that they're afraid to share their dreams with other friends because their friends are like, you want to leave your job? You can't do that. How are you going to pay for rent? How are you going to pay for the food? Or are you crazy? You have a good job? Or that's just a pipe dream. When really those people are just projecting their own fears onto you, right? And so we need to find a group of women that say, I love you, sister. Come here. They've spread out their arms. They welcome you in. They hug you. They love you. They say, what are your dreams? You've got this. And you can find a group of women like that in so many different places. You could find a group of women like that online, totally for free in different Facebook groups. You could join my Facebook group. It's Purpose Girls. And many women join for that exact reason. And they'll post if they're going through a difficult time or they'll post when they have something to celebrate and other women celebrate them or other women hug them. Everything from women posting about miscarriages to creating a new business to getting a raise, whatever it might be. And they receive the love. And there are many Facebook groups, not just mine. You might look on Meetup. Meetup is a website that has different gatherings happening. And now that COVID is moving through, people are gathering in person again. And so you could find people who resonate with you in terms of playing mahjong or in terms of playing softball or in terms of going bowling or hiking in the woods. Find that group. And if you haven't found it, you can also create it. You could be the one on Meetup who says, I want to do a book club that is all about motivational books. And you pick a Brene Brown book and you pick an Esther Perel book and you pick all these different books, Glennon Doyle, that feel really good. And you create it. You create the conversation. You create the environment that you want to be in. You can go on a retreat, as I've mentioned. You can do so many different things. Find the women who are like you. And it may not happen for a while. Listen, I've lived where I live for a long time and I haven't yet found that group where I live. 
And that's one of the reasons why I have my groups online, not just the ones that I run, but the ones that I participate in. I'm in several sisterhoods online because I haven't found that group where I live yet. And it might seem like, well, how can you get close in Zoom? You can get close when you have someone who is holding that space for you and you all are willing to go there and be vulnerable and share and share your dreams and share your hopes and your desires and share your pain. It gets there. I mean, I literally have been in, participated in and run, I don't know, dozens of groups at this point. And so you can find those online too. You can join a class of other women who are like you and get that love, get that total acceptance, that total celebration. And like I said, if you don't find it, create it. We always have that opportunity to create it. And I honestly think this is why I have created the sisterhoods that I have, because I create what I have always, always, always craved. And you can be that too. And so these are your purpose power tips for today. Heal that sisterhood wound and you will soar. Because as much as we like receiving compliments from men telling us we're beautiful or that, or maybe you don't like it, something different happens when you are held by, loved on, and celebrated by women. It changes everything and it will accelerate you. It will elevate you. You will soar, sister. And that's what I want to see you do. I want to see you soar. And so as I close out, remember, we are now taking emails about the Miami retreat. Also, I'll have on deck soon a Puerto Rico retreat. So send my team a message, team at purposegirl.com to get to know when those dates are and be able to register. And I still have three spots for Italy. It's happening August 21st through August 25th in gorgeous Tuscany. And you can go to karenrockhine.com forward slash Italy or check it out in the show notes. With that, my love, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl Podcast. I hope you loved it. Share this with every woman you know. That's how we change the world, one woman at a time. With that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.